Yeah, but it's been an incredible year. And just so thankful that um, God has done so much. I mean, this isn't a year in function or like anything like that, but I just have this incredible sense of gratitude of what God has done. I mean, if we think back of what God has done in so many of your lives, it's been phenomenal. And we've seen incredible fruit and incredible growth in many people's lives. And it's almost like an end of a chapter. You know, we've been here, we got kicked out of our old home, and we came here. I mean, it's not so much about where we're gathering. It's really about being together, wherever we're gathering. And I've seen so much unity and so much growth within people, and it's just really um, so tremendous to, to witness that. And it's given us incredible privilege to, to lead you guys. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm John Berry, one of the elders, and leading the meeting today. Hi, people. I would, I would very much like to welcome, if there's any newcomers or visitors do we have here. Is anyone here that could... Oh, these are names. Marcus and Talia and Megan. Can you raise your hand? Woo! Welcome, welcome. Enjoy your time of worship with us. We trust God will um, really bless you and touch you, and uh, that you will discover more of who He is. We are hungry for that today, right? Yes. Okay, just to crack into some of the announcements, we really don't have much. Um, there was a couple of clips, we're not going to show it, but the main thing is, please diarize, we're not going to be here next week, we're going to be meeting in other congregations. Um, the following week, most likely, that's the 27th, we're going to be having a prayer picnic in the new venue. So really looking forward to that. It's not 100% confirmed, maybe I'm going to start praying that it will be confirmed. <laughs> But they still got to um, audit the building and do all the snags and checks that it is safe to dwell there. So we'll find out by Sunday next week um, if it's fully confirmed or not. Is there a plan B? We'll be back here. <laughs> and then I'll just, I'll just press rewind and play again on the last meeting mis- minutes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we do have a testimony. Um, Uncle Stan, do you want to come up? While it comes up, we're not going to have a stewardship teaching. Uh, we are going to have a test ceremony. But um, just want to remind you, if you do have tithes and offerings, the boxes are at the back. Otherwise, um, please make your deposits on EFT. I'm ready for you. Do you want to come on the stage? No, you don't have to. Here we go. Good morning. My name's Stan. I suppose you all know that. And uh, I was asked to share about the conference the first conference I've attended as, as a Josh, Jen, uh, Josh Jen, Jenner. <laughs> the last conference I attended was a very long time ago, 1977. I went to Jerusalem and I saw Catherine Kuhlman. She was the host of the meeting. And this conference was, uh, was fantastic, the new one we just attended to. And, and all the preachers, they all preached the same message, and they all were in unity, and, and it, was, it was amazing. And there's so many things that I learned. And the, the theme of the, the whole conference was serving Jesus and following Jesus. I can remember the date that I followed, accepted to follow Jesus. It was the 23rd of February, 1967. And there's a song about that. I want to sing it to you. (laughs) I have decided 
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, praise the Lord, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, praise the Lord, no turning back. Amen. Well done. Maybe we should give Stan another microphone for the worship later. Greg, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's your starting, uh, your starting, your starting uh, song. Okay. Yeah, so we're we actually going to move the worship towards the end of the meeting. Um, Kevin's got very, something very special on his heart he wants to share with us. That is your introduction, Kevin. Um, but before we start, we cannot move any further forward without opening up in prayer. Mario, would you agree? Yes. Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we humble us ourselves before you. And we ask, Father, that you will touch our hearts, touch our lives. Speak to us through the word this morning, Father God, that when we leave this place, we have been touched. Our lives have been changed. And Father, be glorified and honored in and through us. And I pray, Father God, for those that are sitting here, desperate and lonely, that you will come and restore them into family. And in that, Father God, that everyone will realize who you are, what you are, and what you mean to us. And thank you, Father God, that we are no longer orphans, but we are adopted sons and daughters into your life, into your heart, Father. And I pray that everybody will realize that today. We bless your name. We glorify and honor you, Father. And we thank you that you chose us and that you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Okay. Thanks, John. Good afternoon. If you're new to the congregation, my name's Kevin. I've got the wonderful privilege to lead the team that leads this congregation. And um, yeah, it's been an incredible year. Just wonderful to see what God has done. Um, it's this is potentially, we're praying that this would be our last Sunday in here, um, but I want to tell you, I'm thankful that we've had this season here. We could, have, we could have sat on homes with screens, or maybe, I don't know what it would have looked like if we weren't able to gather, so I'm extremely thankful for this congregation, this church that has opened their doors to us. Um, I'm going to look forward to having lunchtime at home um, <laughs> in, the, in the years to come, and um, just take note that we'll... We'll start 9.30 once we move in. We'll probably the picnic do earlier just so that we can get the cooler time of the day. Um, but we, yeah, we realize going from 12 to 9 is going to be quite a challenge. Um, some of you are used to waking up later. Um, so now you've got to wake up quite earlier to make it for prayer meeting. I've heard con communities went to go visit other congregations in the morning. They're like, oh, we had to be there half past eight. <laughs> and and um, yeah, so that's we going that route, eh? Wonderful. Uncle Stan, you bless me. What a, what a blessing you are. Um, Uncle Stan attended the gathering two weeks ago and also just felt the Lord challenge him that um, for the last while he hasn't been in a community and he needs to get into a community. And he had good reasons why not. So there is a 90, 
one, ninety. Eh? Ninety. Ninety year old man that is still teachable, that's still choosing to follow God, um, that's still choosing to be in community, um, even though it is challenging and difficult, but still choosing to do it, still choosing to follow Jesus. What's it, 60 odd, close to 60 years on. And I think that's the beauty of Christianity, beauty of our God. Although it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's always fresh. And here's someone serving Jesus 60 years and it's still fresh, still leaning, still learning, still teachable. And that's worship. That's worship right there. And I want to speak about worship this afternoon. And um, it's one of those topics that you don't always preach on on a Sunday. Because we want to know, how do we face the storms in our life? And we want to know, how do I grow closer to Jesus? Uh, but I want to speak about our corporate worship. And um, I think actually it, it captures all those things. Um, but I do feel it's important that as a people of God, we're on the same page when it comes to key elements of our coming together. So imagine you've got a toddler and you're organizing a birthday party for him. And you go all out. You've got the theme. You've got the printouts. You just go for it. It's, it's wonderful. You have this party, and afterwards you chat to your spouse, and you ask your spouse, so how was our son's party for you? He's like, oh, man, um, yeah, it wasn't that great. I didn't get much out of it. Um, it didn't really deeply impact me. Um, I didn't really feel fed um, through the thing. Um, maybe if people brought the presents for me, um, it, it would have probably been a bit more enjoyable. And I really didn't like the fact that we had a guitar when we sang Happy Birthday. Um, I would have actually preferred if they opened the presents before we sang Happy Birthday and not afterwards. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Isn't worship actually all about Him? But many times our feedback on a gathering sounds like the feedback of that birthday party. We make ourselves the focus. We actually should all be all about Him. When you put together that party, you try and figure out what does your child want. And you try and put everything together in a way that will please your child. When we come together, our focus should be pleasing Him. Worshipping His way, not our way. And in some way, we've all been conditioned. We've, some of us have been in church for many years. Some of us were in a church but not saved in a more traditional church, and then you kind of like just drifted away, and you were taught something of worship in that congregation. You were taught to be stiff, still, focused, respectful. But is that really worship God's way? Or have we just been conditioned to a certain viewpoint? And I want to break our conditioning today, and I want to get us on the same page, that from this point onward, we go, and we might need to discuss this in community because there's a number of people that's not here but that we'll really go on this topic, on this, what do you call it? Not, not really a topic. On this principle, this aspect, this DNA of who we are, that we will be on the same page. So I'm going to speak about worship and worship God's way. I want to tackle three things. I want to tackle the essence of worship, the act of worship, and the benefit of worship. And those are the three things we're going to look at. So what are the essence of worship? We find it where worship is first mentioned in the Bible. Now, if you study the Bible, there's this concept that's called the law of first mentioned, where anything is mentioned for the first time in, Bible, in the Bible. It's almost a moment where you've got to look and say, 
Attention, attention. This is important. What you're going to read here is important about this topic. And here in this passage, the word worship is mentioned the very first time. So when we read it, we've got to respond and say, okay, I'm taking note. Because here's something key that God was wanting to teach me on the topic of worship. Sometime later, God tested Abram. He said to him, Abram, here am I. Uh, he said to Abram, here am I. He replied, who said that? Abram. Uh, is it Abram? I'm getting, <laughs> uh, uh, is it Abram saying, here am I? Uh? <laughs> then God said, take your son, your only son. Now, we've got to understand that Isaac was God's promise. For years, Abram trusted God for a son. And here's a gift, the promise of God. Take your son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. So here's Abram been asked to sacrifice his son on the altar. The promise. He loves him dearly. Early the next morning, Abram got up and loaded his donkey. He took... I'm with him, two of his servants, and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God had told him. So you've got to, he's busy preparing it. Now his son is there, getting wood ready. They're going to sacrifice. This is how he responds. Next, uh, I've got a remote here. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with a donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. What is the essence of worship? Worship. What is the essence of worship? It's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. That's the very essence. It's to give yourself. In Romans, um, it goes on there, and then Abram actually, his son actually walks up with him. I mean, this is dear. This is like not just. Hey, son, we're going to sacrifice. They're walking, and his son's asking, where is the sacrifice, you know? Where is it? And then Abram tells him, God will provide. Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went up together. Isaac also worshipped. <laughs> he also gave himself. Interesting thing about the spashit, as they went up and prepared the offering, there was no skinny jeans there. There were no lights and smoke. There was no music. There were not fast songs or slow songs. It was probably warm. <laughs> it was probably uncomfortable. But the essence of worship was sacrifice. That's worship, is to give yourself in Romans, it says, um, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because for all that He has done for you, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. New Testament. ESV says, this is your spiritual worship. This is your true and proper worship. To present your body, <laughs> this thing, as a living sacrifice. So the essence of worship is sacrifice, it's surrender. The essence of worship is unrestricted, unrestricted obedience. Abram didn't tell God, oh, this is my terms. There was no terms. He went to give himself and to give what was dear to him. 
Unrestricted obedience. That is worship. Surrender. Unrestricted obedience. So in general, our lives should be worship. Every aspect of our life, we should be a people that live and serve God with unrestricted obedience. We should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, not just when we come here, but in every aspect. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our parenting, when it comes to working with leaders, when it comes to our giving, our finances, there should be a willingness to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and give whatever is dear to us to God. That's a general sense. I once were told that everything that we do is worship. Our lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of obedience. So that's, that's a general sense. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience, a lifestyle of unrestricted obedience. But I want to speak today a bit more narrow and a bit more specific and speak about when we come together as a people of God. Because the general sense is sacrifice and surrender, but there's something when the people of God come together to worship. And I want to speak about this, because what we do here is also worship. It's an aspect of worship. In Scripture, we see that when the people got together, it says, Come, let us bow down in worship to the Lord, because we are the people of His pasture. In Acts 13, it says, While they were gathering, while the church were together, they worshipped the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart. So when the church come together, we worship. In Revelation, we see the angels, the elders, together worshipping God. So Scripture is full of passages that emphasize when people come together, the people of God, there is worship. And part of that worship is singing and expressing ourselves. But remember, the essence of it is always sacrifice. So although when we come together, the worship might be, look different here than in your bedroom or in your home or at your workplace, the essence remains the same. The nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt. And um, God told Pharaoh, let my people go. In Genesis, let me just get the passage here. Um, in Genesis, I lost that passage. It's somewhere early in, in, in Genesis, I think, 12. Um, God says to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they can go and worship in the desert. So God's intent was to get his people out of slavery to do what? To go and worship him. So God's intent was to have an assembly, a people gathered, his people gathering to worship him. So God takes his nation out of Egypt and he takes them into the desert to Mount Sinai. And that was the physical expression of what God intended for them to worship him. And in that moment, God wanted to speak to his people. But every single human being is made to worship. Inside of us, every single, some of us worship money, some of us worship idols, some of us worship our careers. But inside of us, every human makeup, there's a desire to worship something. And God's people gathered there, and his intent was for them to worship him. But then they got distracted and started worshiping idols. And God realized, I need to get my people together. They're they losing focus. Uh, his intent was that, but we're human. People are frail. And humanity messed it up then. And then God instituted festivals. Why did God institute festivals? To have moments where the nation of Israel can come together to worship. So they would come together to worship. So their festivals were there. But then through, then age, um, centuries carried on, years carried on, and then there was another moment where God took people out of slavery through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross, and now we, as we respond to him, can come out of slavery to do what? To gather to worship 
God. So now as we come out of slavery, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12, I think it is there, um, in Hebrews 12, it says that we haven't come to a mountain like Mount Sinai where the Israelites were that was full of smoke and it was physical things and there's a trumpet blast. We didn't come to that, but we came to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn. So as we respond to Jesus and we come out of slavery, we come together, not at a physical mountain, but at a spiritual one. And when we gather here, every single time the people of God gather, we gather with eternity. Isn't that wild? Right now, right now in this moment, we are gathering with the angels, thousands upon thousands in joyful assembly. Because we have been saved from our flesh and we've been given a new nature, a spiritual nature. And although that's not tangible and real, this very moment, we are in the presence of God. And it might not feel real to us now, but this is forever, this moment. I wanted to share this at the end, but I'm going to mess up my preach a bit. Um, when we worship now, God is infinite and He's omniscient outside of time. So when our worship goes to Him, it goes on for all eternity. Our song of praise echoes for eternity in the presence of God. Quickly, it's almost like a, whoa, I've got to rethink my posture in worship because it echoes for eternity. So if I come here like, oh, it's a bit warm, you know. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that don't. That goes for eternity. But I thank God, God probably looks and says, okay, cool, I remember your sin no more. So that <laughs> I'll erase. That I'll get rid of. But when you hear and you take pleasure in me, that I'll, I'll let that echo. But when we gather here, it's not just coming to church because that's what Christians do. Every single time, 12 o'clock, 9.30, in another Joshua congregation, you're coming and you're gathering in the presence of God with thousands upon thousands of angels. Because we haven't come to a physical mountain, but we've come to a spiritual mountain. Ow! That is profound. That is profound. That should change the way you look at a community group meeting and a Sunday meeting. Because it's extremely and profoundly eternal and supernatural. Um, there it speaks about the various times the church got together in worship. For me, our worship as an assembly, our get-together, and our get-together when we hear like this, our worship is in the singing. Our worship is in the posture we take when we listen to the message. Our worship is in how we pursue God. Our worship is in our giving of our finances, our time, praying for someone, giving of our comforts. Giving what we feel comfortable with when we gather. It's giving all of that because we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The essence of worship is surrender. So we're giving ourselves completely for what? For His presence. So for me, corporate worship is unrestricted pursuit of the presence of God. It's the unrestricted pursuit of the presence of God. So when we hear, it's eternal. And when we hear, we're in pursuit of His presence. Whew. 
The act of worship. So that's the essence of worship. The essence of worship. Wayne Grudem says, corporate worship is not optional for the church. Rather, it brings expression to the very being of the church. It manifests on the earth the reality of the heavenly assembly. Let me read that again. It's not an optional thing for the church, but it manifests on earth the reality of the heavenly assembly. When we get together here, unbelievers, people that don't know Jesus, see something of what happens in the presence of God. I hope they don't see this. I've been blessing the Lord for the last five minutes. Can we go on to the next song? Mm. Joyful assembly. Secondly, the act of worship. The act of worship. For me, corporate worship, our coming together, is a response to the very nature of God. It's a response to the revelation of God. Worship is a response. Our sacrifice is a response. Us giving ourselves is a response to who God is. Isaiah 6, it says, When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he fell down. The seraphims there worshipped, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we see there's a response, the psalmist says, When I think about this, I want to respond and I want to dance. When I consider your ways, I want to shout. When we consider God, there needs to be a response. Sometimes our eyes, our spiritual eyes, don't see something of God. And we struggle to find a response. But it's not just limited to the revelation. When our spiritual eyes go open, it also is our response to who God is. So when we gather here, and I don't have something inside of me, I go, God, you've saved me. God, you are good. God, you are good. So I'm going to respond to your goodness. Because you are worthy. You're worthy. I've come to something supernatural and something eternal. So I'm going to respond. To you, worship is a response. The disciples, when they saw Jesus on the walking on the water, and um, Peter tried it, Peter failed, he picked up Peter, they back in the boat. What did the disciples do? They fell down and worshipped him because they saw something of the supernatural power of Jesus. They responded. Hebrews, Revelation, the psalm, Revelations, is all about when they see him, they respond in worship. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worship requires a response. And it's important for us as a church that we embrace holistically everything there is to do to respond to the Lord. Let me explain. God is good, and sometimes His goodness needs a response of dancing. Sometimes His goodness requires a response of just thinking and contemplating and being still. But I can't dictate what I'm comfortable with. Sometimes who He is dictates a certain response. So that's why I've got to think of myself less when I'm here in this party <laughs> and think of him. When my child had the birthday party recently, I responded in a way that will give him pleasure. I didn't worry about myself. It was outside and it was warm. I was uncomfortable. I was sweaty. It was horrible. But I enjoyed the fact that he was enjoying it. I had to run around and set up balloons and all these things and it was directly after our service. So I had to literally jump in the car, go to um, uh, Butler Ray there in the sun. But it was for him. It was a pleasure because it gave him pleasure. So my response was dictated well, what will give him pleasure. When we get together, we need to think, what, what will give you pleasure? And I know, I mean, some of you, just like this fear of man, have fear of dance. 
And I'm not preaching about dancing. I'm a preaching <laughs> about being open to respond to God in a way that will please Him. That's what it is. It's not about dancing or buying quiet or shouting or clapping hands. It's about Him. And I know some of you got a fear of dance. I mean, every time I hear that song, I'm going to dance because you are good, I go like, oh. Because I can't just sing that song like this. Because my declaration is, I'm going to dance because you are good. But now I'm just like, I'm done. It's the equivalent of, like, I tell my wife, I'll make you coffee because you are wonderful. I will make you coffee because you're wonderful. I will make you coffee because you are so, 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 so wonderful. Coffee I will make for you. <laughs> it will give it no pleasure. I've got to go make coffee and give it. And so my confession needs to lead to some expression and some action. Otherwise, it's not real. So when I sing, I will dance because you are good. I can't just stand here because he is good. And maybe in that moment, although I'm not comfortable, I will present a sacrifice of this. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I grew up in this church, shy, insecure, a mess. The Holy Spirit touched me, and I think hugely because of that, but also I found breakthrough in worship, because I couldn't do that. We had this funny thing in our youth going where I think it came from America, where you hooked in and you did this, and you danced like this. Uh, it was something that happened in the 90s that went through the churches. Um, some of, any of you remember those days? In the, yeah, yeah, they remember those. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. But I did, and something broke in me because I presented myself. Putting up my hands the first time was big. Shouting, it's like, what do I shout? Like, oh, that was loud. What did they think <laughs> next to me? Any of you been there? It's like, whoa, that sounded. Okay. I mean, I was in high school. My, stem, my voice was changing, you know. So like, like, my shout to the Lord sounded bad. But as I presented myself, something broke in me because God dealt with the flesh. And that's why I can get undignified. I still sometimes struggle because I've got a fear of man and I'm human, but I present myself in a way that will please Him. So I've got to give expression. So if I say, I'm going to dance because you're going to, I'm going to try. And maybe this is your dance. Maybe that's your dance. You're moving. Because what you want to say to the Lord is, God, you, who you are, it moves me. And that's what you're saying when you dance. It's like, God, I'm not going to dictate what I'm comfortable with. Because it's not about me. Worship is about you. And I'll express, I will, I will give expression to what's going on here in my heart. And we should, those of us that like the Sometimes need to just be able to embrace the quietness. Although it's uncomfortable. It's not about our personality. John 4, Jesus told the woman at the well, an hour will come where people will worship me according to their preference and personality. He didn't say that. 
<laughs> you were thinking, like, which translation? <laughs> For some, the good news translation. <laughs> Worship in spirit and in truth. I come in the truth that Jesus has set me free from myself. And I worship him in spirit and in truth. So all of us need to embrace everything. The quiet, the loud, the shout, the dance. Because the essence of it is surrender. Jesus didn't say that I will come where they'll worship me in a programmed, formed manner. In spirit and in truth. Sometimes we worship and it's not the fast song and the slow song. The youth led worship here the other day, and CJ didn't get the, the rhythm or something going, sorry, I didn't want to shame you again. I just want to, because that was a beautiful moment. What happened then? We just carried on worshiping, encouraged them, blessed them, but I think it blessed the Lord more than anything, because we weren't limited by the music. We were worshiping in spirit and in truth. So when we're in a big venue in a couple of weeks' time, it's going to be awkward. I can see the difference when we go to Edgemeet, when we assemble there, and when we assemble here. I can see the difference. Irrespective of where, if it's small, big, feel empty or full, we're gathering with the heavenly hosts. So my response there isn't how the atmosphere is, yeah? My response is in response to Him. My worship is in response to Him. So whether you like the program, the slow song, the fast song, whether there's no songs and it's just music, I'm worshiping Him in a way that He dictates in that moment. And sometimes I worship because I think of who God is. Other times there's a prophetic word and it speaks of God, God's victory. Then we respond in worship to that which He is speaking about. Because in that moment He's saying, I want you to focus on this, on this attribute. I want you to focus on my holiness, so respond in accurately to that. Accurate response to his holiness will probably not be dancing. It will probably be this. So we respond to him. Amen? Is this helpful? Does this feel like I want to get us on the same page when it comes to this? Our theology. You know, some of us like the holy songs. Some of us like the dancing songs. We need to be able to embrace all of that. Otherwise, we're, like, we're erring, like, God, I want, I want, I'm comfortable here. It's not about how comfortable. And some of us are, comfort, uh, are uncomfortable in the idea of moving around and lifting our hands. Some of us are, don't like it when certain songs are being sung. That shouldn't be the focus. So we should have a holistic response to who God is, and we should embrace all theology about God, not just those that we like. And I realize there's some songs that you like more than others. I've got certain songs I like more than others. There's certain songs when I hear it, I'm like, oh man, not that one again. I think it. I stand here leading the meeting and I'm thinking, oh man, not that one. <laughs> I sometimes think that. I do. I know some of you do that as well. But then in that moment, I go, it's not about you, Kevin. Worship him. Worship him. What is he revealing? What is he revealing? Sometimes I look behind, not to check up on any of you. If I've made eye contact with you and it's awkward, it's, I'm not chucking up. I'm turning around because I want to be moved by a people that's moved by God. Sometimes it moves me. You see how other people are enjoying God. And it moves me. And I respond to that. I'm like, God, you save these people. 
Knowing that someone is going through a difficulty, someone's facing cancer, needing treatment, and it's horrible, and seeing them hop and dance here and worshiping God, that moves me because it's like that person has a reason not to. But they're going and they're sacrificing because that's the very essence of worship. And that moves me like, God, ah, who am I? <laughs> Woo! Okay. Um, and, and some songs, sometimes, some songs, it's, it's difficult. Some of you might prefer hymns and more formal songs. Some of you might enjoy more flowy songs. Eh? Rap. <laughs> Be careful not to embrace your preference, but we come to worship Him. There was once a, a free state farmer, he went to a, a charismatic church, and his wife asked him, so how was it? And he said, no, it was quite interesting. They didn't sing the hymns like we used to. They've got these praise choruses, which were quite different. And his wife asked him, now, what, what, was, what was so different? He says, it's like this. Martha, I can tell you, Martha, there's a cow in the field. Or I can tell you, Martha, oh Martha, my dear Martha, there's a cow. A big one, small ones. One giving the other one a sloppy wet kiss. They're all in the field, oh Martha. And the cows are in the fields, in the field, in the field. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> woo, moo, moo, moo. <laughs> and I worship sometimes sound like that. You know, it's like saying, there's a lot of words saying the same thing. And there's, ooh, no, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I know some people, it's like, that's, I've heard people say that's not worship. Song is not the worship, it's our heart's attitude. But sometimes I don't have words to express my gratitude. So a chorus or a ooh, ooh, ooh actually expresses. <laughs> it actually expresses what I feel. Yeah, it's a similar to when your, your rugby team used to win rugby. And you, <laughs> and you sit and you watch. And you're like, yes, yes, that's it. Come on, come on, come on. And it's like all these noise that you make because you express something. You don't like, I'm so grateful you guys won today. You express it with sounds and shouting. Because that's the response that's required. Let me just go through a couple of practical things, what the Bible actually shows us. So that we have, and I know it's not that clear, but I'll try to get it to the congregation. But this is what, your worship should embody all of this. Not in the same assembly, not in the same gathering. Otherwise, you'll go. It's like, <laughs> it will be wild. But your worship should embody something of this over a period of time. Known songs and unknown songs. Sometimes we, Ephesians 5 speaks about singing or speaking to one another when you get together in hymns, which is known songs, and spiritual songs. It says sing a new song, make a new melody. So sometimes we worship God with known songs and other times we don't. So embrace them all. We need to embody all of this. Lifting of hands. Psalm, it speaks about the lifting of hands. The Bible, Psalm speaks about clapping of hands. We clap hands to celebrate God's goodness in response to Him. Sometimes we clap hands because we feel there's a sense that God wants to unify us. So we clap hands to respond to God when God says, You're my people. Come together. We're like, we're in unity. So we give expression to, to what we feel, how we want to respond. Bowing down, um, Psalm 95 or 6, kneeling. Scripture speaks about kneeling. It speaks about dancing when we get together. 
joyful shouting. I've heard that some people wondering why we shout when we gather. It's because it's in the scripture and it's worshiping him his way. Now there's times that we shouldn't shout. And then there's times that we should. There's playing instruments. Psalm, um, Psalm 33, um, there's prayers. We worship God with prayers. There's times that we fall, fails down before him. And there's no dancing. There's no shouting. There's no clapping. We're just flat in front of him. We worship God in stillness. We still know that I am God. We worship God by meditating on who he is. Psalm 145, Psalm 19. That's why we sometimes sing a chorus over and over. Because we're meditating. We're thinking about that. We're thinking about that. We're thinking until there's a response. And sometimes we worship God through testimony. When people speak here and testify. We should. Stage diving. <laughs> there's no scripture about stage diving. <laughs> John. <when> you <laughs> um, there's no scripture about stage diving. But for me, that's an expression of freedom. So it's like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Expression of dance. It's a different form of dance. God, I'm going to let go. I'm going to express my gratitude. If you come on stage to get attention or to just do it because it's cool, you're not worshipping. You're just doing something because you think it's cool. When you do it because you want to express your gratitude and you want to express your freedom in Christ, that's a whole different story. Dancing in stage, we should be dancing. But if that's just to get attention, don't dance on the stage. Um, but if it is to express your freedom and maybe to overcome an area of insecurity in you, go for it. Go for it. Sometimes you can express our togetherness if you see someone dancing there. And I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know what to do, but I'll just go and join there. Because I want to express something of God. We're better together. I want to encourage that person and go dance with them. Good. Um, Lastly, I want to speak about the benefit of worship. The benefit of worship. A known person. I, wanna, I just want to say, before I, before I speak about the benefit of worship, just about um, our corporate times of worship. The essence of it is surrender, giving ourselves. So that's in general. All of life should embody that. But we do it in pursuit of his presence. Uh, a famous French chef once said, they asked him, what's a key ingredient to a good meal? He said, hunger. <laughs> hunger. Hunger. When we come together, there needs to be a hunger. There needs to be a desire. There needs to be a desire. And we can have hunger and desire if we think about ourselves less. And we think about who He is. I want to tell you, if you get into the Word, it will affect your worship. It will affect you because you're going to read stuff about God. Sometimes our worship is stiff because our Bible reading is stiff. An unknown person said, we don't worship that which should be used. And we don't use what should be worshipped. We don't use what should be worshipped. God needs to be worshipped, not used. He's not primarily here for our benefit. He should be worshipped. But in doing so, we benefit. We benefit. The people of God, as we surrender, 
Abram went up that mountain, ready to sacrifice what was dear, to respond in humility to God's instruction. He did that, and in doing so, God provided the sacrifice. God came and touched him. God taught him and Isaac a valuable lesson in that moment. God revealed something. It actually says that God revealed him as... Um, uh, there we go, thank you. I was thinking of the worship song. Jehovah Jireh, the God is enough. He revealed himself in that moment. I will always be enough for you. I will always provide for you. I will satisfy your every need. But he worshipped first in response to who God is. And then there was a benefit. But that's not the main reason why we worship. But there is benefit. And it's important that we know that. um, Because it gives you a sense of gratitude that we can do this. That we can worship God. So what happens when we worship? Oh, it's unclear. Um, God draws near. Firstly, God draws near. The Bible says if we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. It says as we rejoice in Him, God delights over us. James 4 verse 8 says if we draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. Scripture is full of passages. As the people of God respond, He responds. You'll see there that, that um, yeah, for sake of time, there's many examples. Secondly, God ministers to us when we worship Him. God ministers to us. Hebrews 4 verse 16 speaks about that um, we'll find grace and mercy in His throne room, in His presence. We find that there. God speaks to us when we're in His presence. We're pursuing His presence, we're worshiping, He speaks to us. He ministers to us. Peter and Sil- uh, Paul and Silas, they're in prison. They're worshiping God. They're singing praise. It says that they were praising God and the prison door flung open. I've seen people worshiping God actually getting healed of illnesses. I've seen it, I've read about it on a number of occasions. I've seen people worshiping God and God actually coming and touching them in an area that they've been trusting God for, area of breakthrough. Breakthrough comes as they worship. It doesn't always happen, but I've seen it. And there's moments that God ministers, that God speaks to us, that God delivers us. I've seen deliverance in worship. I've seen people getting saved without this altar call. In the presence of God, they're worshiping. And it's like, boom, they respond. And they actually followed Jesus more passionately than some people that did put up their hand. Because they saw something of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says that we were, um, as we behold Him, He transforms us into the very likeness of Christ. When we worship God, He actually transforms us. I was insecure. But as I've been filled with the Spirit as a teenager, I started worshiping God. I started, I'm like, sometimes I would go actually stand there at the back of this hall. The youth are all going, all my buddies are going crazy. Because I just wanted to worship Him. And I didn't want to get distracted. And I wanted to give expression to Him. And in doing so, God, I don't know, He, I am thought back and I wonder, how can I be comfortable speaking in front of people? Because I couldn't. I mean, I remember still in, in grade 7, primary school, needing to do the birthday list in assembly. And I read the birthday list at assembly. I was shaking, sweaty, it was horrible. And I still remember uh, everyone laughing when I was done, and I couldn't understand why. Because I said amen after the birthday <laughs> list. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I've come a long way in terms of just th- this. But I want to tell you, it was in those moments of surrendering to God that He did something. I didn't do a course or a how to speak with confidence YouTube clip. Um, 
It was as, I, as I've given myself more to the Lord, He dealt with certain insecurities in here. It still pops up, but I've come to know that as I present myself, He transforms me into His nature. So when I start seeing those insecurities, I realize I need to present myself more. I need to not do this. I tell you this, people that do this stagnate. People that hold tight. People that do this and this get transformed into His very likeness. Exodus 17 and 2 Chronicles 20 speaks about as Moses stood and worshipped God, God brought an ambush amongst the enemy. Jehoshaphat, the king, as he worshipped God, God set an ambush, ambush amongst the enemy lines. And there's something as we worship God, the God, the, 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 the demonic that's trying to oppose you, to get you down, it flees. It flees. It trembles at the presence of God. Yeah. And so there's when we surrender, when we worship Him, the enemy flees. When you're feeling that you're struggling with something, worship God. Worship God. When you're feeling like you're struggling and, and you're feeling like there's oppression, you're struggling with depression, come to these assemblies. Come and worship God. Amen. Come and worship God because as you do that, God sets ambush. Amen? And I'm for healing for some of you today. You just need to worship God that God would set ambush. It's not always the case. I remember the, the, the one thing that happened, I, um, uh, we had a, a time of miscarriage and, and it was tough for Lizaldi. Um, and, and she had to process that. And um, I just told her, you need to get into the presence of God. I know this is fearful experiences, and it will probably carry on for the next couple of hours, but just get in the presence of God. What helped her was to find God in that. She sat with scripture, she sat with worship music, and she found the Lord. We still at the miscarriage. She still went through that trauma. But something shifted in here when she felt the Lord speak. And sometimes God doesn't change our physical atmosphere but he shifts something in our hearts. He sets ambush here to the enemy. When we worship God, it echoes for eternity. When we worship God, it echoes for eternity. When we gather like this, we're gathering, and it's supernatural and it's eternal. We want to worship God His way. Probably best expressed on another hill. On the hill of Calcutta. Golgotha. Eh? Golgotha. Probably nowhere better expressed than there. When Jesus hanging on the cross in complete surrender. He did that to the Father. He did that for the Father. Complete surrender. Complete surrender. And that's the attitude we want to take when we worship Him. Complete surrender. Because of that, we're not going to a physical mountain. We're coming to a living God. And we want to worship in the same way. Some of you sitting here might not be, you might still sit, be, be sitting in slavery. You might still be sitting in your fears and your sin. But Jesus died on the cross that you can be set free. That you can be set free. That you can come out of that slavery. And worship God. The worship team can come. <laughs> and what I want us to do now is I want us to worship God 
not our way, His way. I want us now to worship God and say, God, I'm going to respond to who you are. And in the weeks and months and years and decades to come, when I gather, I'll know that I'm gathering with a heavenly host and I will worship you your way. Amen. So can we all just quickly close our eyes? I'm not going to make a ministry invitation because it feels like a sermon like this. It's not about us. It's about Him. We need to give expression to Him. But I do want to give you the opportunity. You may be sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're sitting here and you don't belong to Jesus. You don't belong to the people of God. You've never given your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity to respond now. To respond now. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. To the Father. And in doing so, He made it possible for every human being who responds to Jesus, who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to be in an intimate relationship with the living God. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond. I also want to give you the opportunity, if you've maybe drifted from God and you've just lost your way, you lost your way and you want to, you want to find your way back to God, to the living God, and you want to say, I've lost my way, but I want to come back to Him today. I want to give you that opportunity to respond now. So if that's you, don't you quickly want to raise your hand right now? Sing, there's a hand in the back. I'm going to... isn't good. He's great. Isn't he awesome? Oh, thank you, Lord, for resetting our hearts, Lord. The stagnant hearts, the traditional hearts, the going through the motion hearts. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating this word. Thank you for new life to come in the days ahead. testify of their worship in their own closet in their car 
Let your worship erupt from your people. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanks and praise, Lord God. We don't even actually fully comprehend the work that you've done in the Spirit over us and in us right now. And I just want to leave, we're going to close the meeting, but I'm going to create a space at the end. If you've had an incredible stirring in your heart that you're not fully able to process, or you feel God has has caused you to just come forward and um, and repent or receive prayer. You know, when God moves like this in worship, He like exposes a lot of things that are not of Him. And so I just want to create a space here for some of the elders then remain here in the front just to to pray with you when people feel like they've, they've really been shaken and, and, and they need prayer and they need to process something um, we're here for you yeah. so let's say thank you for the worship team you guys are awesome yeah. Yeah. thank you father for the great work you've done in our hearts lord Let our eyes just remain fixed on you. Let nothing come to distract or take away. Thank you for the great encouragement that you brought in us today. Bless us as we go. Let our hearts remain stirred and just filled with your joy and your wonder. We bless your name one last time before we go, Lord. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, guys.